You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. Time for our biblical worldview question of the week. How can I be assured that when I die, God will let me into heaven? Nancy, good morning. I'm looking forward to this. Good morning to you. I do hope Steve can get whatever it is fixed. It's a little chilly out there. Oh, man, I know. Oh, my goodness. It's going to warm up, though. It's going to warm up into about, I think, 50. Well, actually, Randy said earlier he was going to bump that up to 53 degrees, so... Yeah, I, I appreciated that. That's good. <laughs> nice and balmy. <laughs> just for you. Just for you today. <laughs> for a lot of us. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, hey. So let's jump into this question because we've been talking yeah. about this all morning. And um, I have had people that, you know, and I've shared my faith with that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that is a big question. How can I be assured that when I die, God will let me into heaven. But there are Christians, and I don't care how long you've been a Christian, sometimes that thought does flit through the back of your head. So how can we be assured that when we die, God's going to let us into heaven? Yeah, you know, it is interesting how many Christians who have been Christians for a long time start to doubt. And um, I, I just think this question is great for that reason, is that There is an answer for this. How can I be assured? There is an answer that you can be absolutely positive, you know. And again, a time will come when we all die, unless, of course, Christ comes back before that time. But it it may be sooner than later, and and I myself was one of those that said, I'm not in any hurry. Well, you know what? I think we all need to take this question very, very seriously, and and. The truth is, it's important to all of us. And and the question is, is there anything we can do to ensure our destiny into heaven with God? And I'll tell you, um, so often, and especially teens, Kelly, uh, uh, will answer that question, I was raised in a Christian home, therefore I am. And it, it's honestly the vast majority of, of young Christian kids, young kids raised in a Christian home will say, well, I, I, I just, yeah, I just raised in a Christian home, which is there, there's no assurance in that. Other people believe that if they just lead a good life, now what good means, uh, I, I, I think it might be contrary to God's definition of good, but, uh, People like that who said, I haven't killed anybody, I haven't, you know, done this and that and the other. They feel because of their own self-righteousness that they, they've they earned a right to go to heaven when they die. And I, the, I, I just, we have to be very clear on this, that God does not grade on how good is good enough. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I mean, Kel, we've talked about cults before. That is the thing with all cults. It's all on a work-based system as well as many other religions. If you're good enough, well, um, God's not setting that curve. And if he's not setting that curve, then uh, it, it's, it's not. There, there is not good enough in a human sense that will get us there. There's absolutely nothing we can do to earn our way to heaven uh, where we go when we die is solely on this, the, who do we choose, whom do we choose, in whom do we choose to put our faith? Is it in ourselves, another person or whatever that is, 
or is it in Jesus? And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 just hit this so, so strongly. It is by grace you are saved, true faith, and it's not of yourself. It's a gift from God, not works, so no one can boast. So uh, our salvation is not on how good we can be, how smart we think we are, how many good things we, we feel we've done for God. It is, it is just not on that. It's not a grade system. You know, it's ironic to me that um, before I knew what your question was going to be, today I was watching, um, actually I was sitting and watching, I've, I've gotten hooked on watching reruns of Touched by an Angel. Now, first of all, I know that's not theologically correct the way it's presented, but the show entertains me, and it was, <laughs> it's just true, but they were showcasing a, a main character who was keeping a notebook and writing down every single one of his good deeds. And that was going to be what he was using to get himself into heaven. And I just sat there and watched that. And that was fascinating to me because I thought, how many of us, you know, b- before we know the truth, believe that that is exactly what's going to get us into heaven? And it was kind of just a heartbreaking thing to watch because we are all born sinners and even though jesus is a point of contention for some there's no getting around reckoning with our sin and who he is and really i remember having a conversation with my own father who was oh this was years before he was saved nancy and he was trying to reconcile things in his own mind and he did not understand why if god was and we've all heard this if god is so loving and so good why, why this, why that, and, and why can't I get into heaven if I'm living a good life? Why, why do I have to deal with Jesus? What is, is all of this about? Well, this is God's grace and mercy. This is yeah. his grace and mercy, isn't it? Totally. I mean, absolutely, totally. And, and this is the thing. Um, the reason why Christ came, you know, Adam and Eve sinned, and from that time, all of us were born sinners. We have a sin nature, meaning a propensity, a a, a desire to live for ourselves. And when we do, like whomever was keeping a list of how good he is, we get very prideful. And there is, therefore, no human can have a relationship with holy God on our, on our own effort. And, and, because God is loving and compassionate, he sent his son. This is an issue of sin. It's not how good. It's an issue of sin. It always is. So when we're talking about assurance of getting to heaven, how have we dealt with our sin? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And, and because of Adam and Eve. That started the ball rolling, but we all have contributed. We all are sinners by nature. Therefore, because we are not righteous, because we cannot approach a holy God and have a relationship with him, uh, uh, then we're we're stuck. You know, Uh, uh, we, because God is compassionate, have hope in only one thing, and that is his son who paid the penalty, which is death, for sins. This is the issue. It's not that we are good enough to receive that gift from God. It's because God is good and faithful. That is what that is. And honestly, 
uh, we have to get back there. It's not on how good we can be. The point is, because he's loving and compassionate, he sent his only son to pay the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross and raising again uh, so that humans who choose to put their trust in Jesus will be able to have a personal relationship with him for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is, Kel, we all deserve death and going to hell. I mean, it. We, that's exactly what we deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the wages of sin are death, who's going to pay the penalty? Yeah. We can't pay the penalty for sin of mankind because we're sinners. And it would have to be somebody who is sinless, righteous. And the only righteous one is Christ. For Christ died for the sins once and for all. Listen to this. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. First Peter 3.18. You know, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And and this is the thing. It's such a beautiful gift. God said, listen, none of you are good enough to pay for your sin. I'm going to sacrifice my son for you. And I, I don't care about how good you think you are. That's not the issue. Your good does not pay the penalty for your sin. And, and Kelly, I think this is the, the crux of the whole issue here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're saved and assured of our place in heaven. Listen to this. When we believe that Jesus is the Savior, my Savior of the world, for God so loved, he gave his Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. By the way, that word believe uh, means to rely on, to trust. It's not a scant, okay, whatever, I'll believe. No, no. It's that this thing is... I'm trusting in, I'm relying upon Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and, and again, Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us, but why we were still sinners, he died for us. He Again, this is not on behavior. If it were on being perfect, none of us would, would be able to claim that we are a children of God. And then he says in, in John 1, 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There it is right there. Boom. So then what exactly happens when we do finally believe that we are sinners and we choose to seek forgiveness from Jesus? We place our belief in him because, and the reason that, that I'm, I'm asking it in that way, Nancy, is because, again, once we do place our belief in Jesus and our faith in Jesus, for some, that still seems too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly it does. Because everything we do, Kelly, is based on how, how hard we study, how hard we work, what kind of a job we have, how good we are at that job. It's performance, performance, performance. And there isn't a single person, if you're going to be honest, that believes that you're good enough to even stand in the presence of a holy, holy, righteous God. And and this is the thing that's so hard for us because once we place our trust in God, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are His. 
and and this is just amazing. So so here we've placed our trust in God. We're still sin. We're still messes. God's not going to fix everything in our life, but He's going to be there for us. And He promises that a time is coming when when you die, you'll be with Me in heaven. And and I think. We don't say that we believe and, and go about living uh, for ourselves in a, in a fleshly kind of way with no thought of growing closer to God. And that is not true belief. That is not total reliance and trust on. God is, is not somebody you put in your wallet or in your purse and say, I'm just going to take him with me in case I need him. No, uh-uh. He's our guide. He's our hope. And he gave himself to us because he loves us and wants to have that intimate relationship with us. The relationship is our saving grace, my friend. It's not this uh, emotional or mental assent to God saying, whatever, I'll believe. No. He is our hope. And, and this self, the gift of salvation, we no longer live for ourselves, you know, uh, uh, he, he expects us for what he's done. He's a relational, personal God. He wants to have a relationship with us. And, and we look here in Matthew 22, 37-39, and he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. And the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. So we're called to love God and to love others. This is the call for us. And then in 1 John 4, uh, uh, I, I love this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because <clears throat> God is love. And pause here for a minute. God sets the standard for love. We do not. And his love is perfect. On a bad day, he adores us. He loves us. He, he calls us out as his children. You know, anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him, not ourselves. And in, uh, this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sin. Uh, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is the whole thing. This is why when we pray in Christ's name, we pray. Why? Because he is our advocate. Mm -hmm. It is through Christ we get to the Father. And for any of us, I hope this is a wake-up call. It makes us feel better, because those of us that have said, I have been so off track. Well, then you know what? Your Father is right there with you. If you, if you trust Christ and are, are just gotten off beat, Lord, I am so sorry. Forgive me. I, 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 help me, Holy Spirit, who lives in me now. Help me refocus. It's not, it's, it's not that he's going to shove us away if mm -hmm. we misbehave. But I, I tell you, Kelly, for there's so many people that claim to be Christians and have no fruit whatsoever. 
no kindness to others. They're, they're just like the world. Mm-hmm. Those are the people we are called not to judge, but trust me, uh, uh, not all who say, Lord, Lord, will be saved, because unless it comes from the heart, unless you believe with everything in you that Christ died for you personally, this is not a corporate situation. This is a very personal thing. And, and the thing is, he doesn't expect us to be perfect. So stop some of you beating yourself up that you're not good enough. None of us are good enough. It's only by the grace of God that we take a breath each day. Mm-hmm. And but this is this is the thing. I it you know it just blows me away, doesn't it? You, I'm just blown away by this kind of love because we as humans cannot even think about loving like He loves us. Well, no, his his love is so far beyond our comprehension. And honestly, this is I, I've I've shared this on the, the the radio so many times, and I've talked to Steve about it. This is the subject of a lot of my prayer time driving in in the morning. This is usually where I end up with him. That I really cannot even begin to remotely plumb the depths of what his love means. I cannot wrap my mind around it completely. We we know what love, what passes for love as humans, and I'm not meaning to yeah. belittle that, but <laughs> it is nothing like the love of God. When you, you even, even intellectually, as you start to pick it apart, how we love is nothing nearly so complete as how he loves. It is mind-boggling to me. We pick favorites. He does not have favorites. I could not give my right. my only son for the sake of another Nancy. I don't have that in me. He did. I, w- I No, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the thought of that is just beyond my, my understanding. But the thing is, <clears throat> don't you think, Kelly, that, that human love is so conditional? Mm-hmm. If you're nice to me and nice to my children... And my grandkids now. You know what? Um, I'm really I'm I, I'm I'm going to listen to you and pay that whatever. Because we, you're right. We do have favorites, people that are like us. We naturally are attracted to, and forget those that aren't. And that's the attitude of so many much of our selfishness. We just don't want to take the time God's given us to reach out. But nothing we have done or said can keep us from His love. This is the thing. And he wants to save everyone. So those who are saying, I'm not good enough, you know what? There's some pride in that uh, statement itself. But none of us are good enough. We all are, you know, we're destined to hell. We deserve to go to hell, as a matter of fact. But he wants to save every single one of us. And, And this is the thing. Our sin did not stop him from suffering and dying for us. So that our sins would no longer keep us from him. We are kept from God because of the payment of sin. He cannot have relationship with sin. He cannot. And we are sin bearers until Christ came to earth, died for our sins. And man, when we, when we trust in him, he has paid the price for that uh, through his sons. Because the penalty of sin is death. So we sent his son to die for the sins so that we might be free to have a relationship with God. And, and, you know, then he gives us, when we believe the gift of the Holy Spirit, God himself in spirit in us uh, helps us shift our focus from satisfying our own flesh to loving and trusting God, you know, uh, who guides us and directs us. 
and and points out people during the day that need an encourage uh, an encouraging word, and hopefully that we hopefully have been transformed because we're loved so much to be able to be motivated, want to share Christ, the gospel of what He did for you, to share it with other people, you know. And and this is what this is what He's talking about it um, in Ephesians one thirteen. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. What God is saying here, those of you that know that Jesus is your your Lord and Savior, even though you feel like you have let him down, he's saying, look, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going anywhere because my spirit is in you. And that's the beauty. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which, uh, given to men by which we must be saved, Acts 4. And then we see it again in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I have to ask, what does that have to do with doing good things and trying to please God. We do good things after we're Christians because the Holy Spirit guides us to them. But for us to conjure up when I'm going to do good today to please God is, is an act of futility. It's the Holy Spirit in us when we become Christians. And, you know, it's that Holy Spirit in us that assures those who believe that that we are his kids. As a matter of fact, those of us that are concerned about, oh my gosh, what happens when we die? Listen to this, uh, John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled, says Christ. Believe in God and believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That is heaven. And that is the promise we have. Woo! It is just absolutely amazing that we stumble over, am I good enough? Have I done too many things wrong? No. God said, you know what? I died for all that stuff. Just mm-hmm. come with me. We've got work to do. Come on. Yeah. And it's it's that little dark hole we fall into, and God is saying, come on, get out of there. We've got stuff to do. Once we have accepted the free gift of salvation, what does God ask of us for all that he has and will continue to do for us? Because there is something that he does ask of us. Yes. And let me just preface this answer by this. When Satan came into the world... The first thing he said to Adam and Eve is this, did God really say? And that was the beginning of doubt. Doubt does not come from God. It comes from that subtle suggestion from Satan to cause you to doubt and to disrupt your faith in God. And that little voice, if you've been hearing this voice, that said, are you really saved? Are you really going to heaven? You know how your bad your thoughts are or what you've said about so-and-so. You'll never get to heaven with that. Well, let's just expose the lie of Satan. The lie is this. It's not about your behavior or how you think or this and that and the other. You can't clean yourself up to get to God. God 
solely is the one that can pay the penalty for your junk, for your sin. And he does it completely, and he did it on the cross 2,000 years ago. It is God's desire that everybody is saved. It does not depend on how good you're trying to be. So get that out, because this is the thing. When we have a relationship with God, he said, this is your this is what I want you to do. Now that you're my child, this is your job. I don't want you to doubt and run and hide from me. This is the thing. You're going to love me with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. That's what I want you to do, to trust me. And then he said to them, go into all the world. Go into your world. Go into your place wherever you work or wherever you live. And live out, proclaim the gospel, live out the love of Jesus to all you see. And that's the thing, be it family, be it friends, be it enemies, be it church people. I don't care who that is. Just go and share the love of Jesus. And and if the move by the Holy Spirit, then share the gospel. And and talk to people about their story and tell me about this and, and be able to talk to people. Because uh, people who are lost, and I was one of them for 32 years, nobody ever asked me why I didn't believe. Not a single one. Uh, they all wanted to share their own story. Ask people. You know, you know, are you trusting Christ for no? You know, tell me why. What, what's going on? This kind of thing. It helps, my friends, to be able to talk to other people and love them. And, and just to, to end on this note, you know, we've been talking about what happens when we accept Christ and the free gift we have. What is the future for those who reject God's love and forgiveness? And let me tell you, the scenario is grim. Matthew 25, 42 through 46. Uh, listen up for you, those of you that are on the fence saying, oh, well, I'm not going to do this. this. Let me just be honest with you and share with, with you your future. And it comes here, for Christ is talking here. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. And I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. Naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick in prison, and you didn't visit me. And they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, and the righteous into eternal life. There are consequences for rejecting God's what God did, the salvation that he is offering. There are consequences. You know why? Because he suffered and died. He, he felt pain and suffering for each one of us in our sins. And when we reject that, those sins <clears throat> go unpaid for because you rejected them. You rejected Jesus, the one who died for your sins. And when that happens, you are saying, I don't want anything to do with God. I'm rejecting that. He is righteous. And because I've rejected his gift, 
to pay, of paying the penalty for my sin, I cannot be in relationship with God and will spend eternity, you know, without God. And Scripture is very clear that that is torment, that is living hell, where we will go if we turn down God's gift of eternal life that we don't earn, but we believe through his sacrifice on the cross for us. You know what, Kelly, this is, just seems so simple, so <clears throat> right there for us when we take a moment and can dissect it like this. The gospel is simple. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we, if, if we're on the fence, we'll have to say, why on earth am I not going to believe in Christ and, and, and take advantage of this? You know, yeah, yeah. The thought of, right of the thought of what our eternity holds <laughs> without him is terrifying. Absolutely, it, I think I'm. I, yeah, and it motivates me to want to share and live out my faith even more. Well, yeah, you know, heaven's yeah. going to be spectacular. But to think of the people that are going to suffer in hell because you know I don't want to be the one that says, "Oh, I should have told them." or I should have lived mm-hmm. out my faith better. And, and it's like people that say, well, if God were is so loving, why did he cause me to suffer? Because through suffering, we can, we can share Christ with mm-hmm. others. Through suffering, it draws us closer to God. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I just think it's how we choose to, to look at life. But, yeah. um, oh, oh my, but for those of you that are wondering if what you've done is good enough, you know what, if you've accepted Christ, He's saying, listen, you're not good enough. I paid the penalty for you. Come on now. I want you to get in the scriptures, love me, draw close to me, and, and so you can go out and love others. Come on. And that's, that's how we see Christ in this whole big picture of us. We've got work to do. Right, absolutely. When you, when you do dig into this and you begin to understand what has been done for you and done on your behalf— and, and I love what the Bible says, what, what God says about perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. You'll begin to know that perfect love, and that fear will be gone. I, 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 what I'm trying to say to you listening this morning, those of you who are listening, and, and maybe you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, and you do have a fear in your heart, that fear will begin <laughs> to melt away. I can't begin to express, although this may seem foreign yeah. to you, you will absolutely fall in love. It's love that's waiting for you. And it's, it's remarkable. Unbelieving. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> it's unbelievable from a human perspective, mm-hmm. because no human could love like that. And I remember mm. becoming a, a, a mom, and, you know, Kelly, you too, as a mom, I, I mean, to think that you could love anybody as much as your own sons and daughters or whatever children you have or nieces or nephews, that kind of love is just almost nothing compared to the love that God has for us. We can't put God's love on our own plane. I mean, it is outrageous because he died for the sin. So he wants you to believe in him. So the sin is no longer an issue. You can be free from that and not feel guilty. Let's go. We've got stuff to do. We've got, mm-hmm. we got to be loved. We've got to love others. We've got to just serve God and, and according to the gifts he's given us blah, blah, but, but so many of us are just pulling along that anchor that's slowing us down of guilt and shame. And God said, I break the chains of that. 
Mm-hmm. All of that is gone. You don't have to do that anymore. Just trust in God. Thank him for releasing you from that guilt and shame. And you will be free. You will be free. Absolutely. Hey, listen, if you would like to hear this conversation again with Nancy, I want to let you know we're going to uh, be giving her the audio so she can post it over at anchorsaway.org, which you need to go check out the website and see what's available to you there. Learn about worldview and leadership training. And we'll be posting it on our page also. Excuse me. I love this season. Here come the allergies. I'm not complaining. (laughs) It just is what it is. But um, we'll be posting it on our page also. Look for the resource page at kellyandsteve.org. Hey, Nancy, we are way out of time, and I still don't want to let you go, but we have to move on. But thanks for this today. Hey, thank you. Take care. All right. We'll talk with you again next week. Um, You know, if you've got questions for Nancy at any time and you want to reach out to her also through us, you can. We'll be glad to pass along the message. 800-969-9467. It's Mornings with Kelly and Steve. Find us on Facebook and online at kellyandsteve.org. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.